1: To Dr. Mara Carpel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on Maricarpel.com, and also on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, January the 9th, 2022, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Karpel, and we are back live from Austin, Texas with our first live show in 2022. And so welcome back, and I want to wish you all a very happy new year. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run smoothly as usual. And as usual, we have another great program in store for you this evening. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined once again by Buddhist teacher and Marine veteran, Sensei Alex Kikuyo. And he is the author of the book, Perfectly Ordinary, Buddhist Teachings for Everyday Life. Um, And he came on the show to speak with us in 2021, and now he's back to start off the new year right with talking about connecting to our inner peace in this new year. And I'll be talking a little bit later about some ways to enter into 2022 with reconnection to our passion and our producer art mendoza of accomplice entertainment will join us on this side of the mic to let us know what to expect with music and art on this program in the year 2022 and as usual throughout this evening's program we will have time to take your questions so if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guest please feel free to give a call The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email the questions to me, and I will read them on the air. And my email is drmara, D-R-M-A-R-A, at Dr. drmarakarpel.com, dot com, And you can hear this evening's program again after the show by going to my website and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight along with any website links or contact information given on the program. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash Your Golden Years. And you can also hear it on Apple Podcasts right after the show. And for information about upcoming programs, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Barra Carpel, Your Golden Years. And of course, you can hear all the previous shows for the last eight years on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpell.com. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by a MightyGoodTime.com. Wondering what to do after 50? How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more. Whether it's in person or virtual, anything can be found to fill your day with others. So be more active and start filling your days. Go to a mightygoodtime.com. That's a mightygoodtime.com. Okay, so we're going to take a brief break. Um, don't go anywhere. It's going to be very brief. And we'll be right back with our guest, Sensei Alex Kukuyo So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpel. We'll be back after words from our sponsors. Dr. Mera's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mera Carpelle and your golden years, live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com.
1: And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpel.com. And now joining us once again uh, on the phone, we have Sensei Alex Kukuyo, author of Perfectly Ordinary, Buddhist Teachings for Everyday Life. And Alex is a Buddhist teacher and a marine veteran. Welcome
2: back, Alex. Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Happy New Year. How are you doing?
2: I am doing well. Um, I'm really excited about this new year and what it's going to bring.
1: Okay. So, why are you so excited? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: it started off really well. So, yesterday I was out. I live in the middle of nowhere in the country, so... Uh, We do have garbage pickup, but for some things to try and save money, like if it's cardboard or something like that, you know, we burn it ourselves. So I was out in the back uh, last night and I was burning some cardboard, Amazon boxes and whatnot, and I started thinking about desire. You know, in Buddhism, we say that suffering comes from desire. The way to end suffering is to end desire, and... I thought about that teaching as I was you know, going through this cardboard and looking at the fire and noticing that the fire would die down a little bit and then I'd put more cardboard in and then it'd build back up again and then it would die down again and I'd put more stuff in and it would build back up again. And just this idea that our desires will burn forever if we keep feeding them. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. really there's really nothing we can do to meet or satiate our desires because they'll burn and burn and burn. But if we can learn to stop feeding them, then they die down, and and that gives us some measure of inner peace. And Hmm. just just making that connection was so powerful. As I'm standing out there in the cold, cold, you know. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah, I was listening to your uh, New Year's um your, your Dharma talk on YouTube and mm-hmm. uh and I caught that part about how much you don't like the cold. <laughs> yes,
2: that is very true. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, um I I found the talk very interesting. Um you know about not making a resolution and maybe you could talk a little bit about that now that you know people are still kind of feeling like they they haven't made their resolutions yet and it's still they you know it's still January they're still trying to do that
2: yes yes so i'm a little bit of a contrarian in that respect and i'm a very much a don't make a resolution kind of guy as you probably uh-huh. got from <laughs> and yes. i'll just tell tell the story a little bit for your listeners um there's a Buddhist monk who's about to retire and he wants to find someone to inherit his temple. You know, he has no children to give it to, no students, etc. So he puts out this wooden sign that says, Anyone who can fix this tree can have my temple on the lands that it resides on. And the tree isn't in great shape, right? The trunk is so slanted it's almost parallel to the ground. The branches spiral in strange directions. Some of them have leaves, some don't. It, it's not a healthy-looking tree. But worried about the sign gets out. People come from all over the country trying to fix this tree. And Some say he should chop it down and start fresh. Some say he should use various techniques to strain the branches. And he just chases them all away with his frying pan, right? No one can find the answer. Until one day, this Buddhist nun approaches, and she doesn't even know anything about the sign. She just wants a place to sleep for the night. But the priest is a little grumpy at this point, so he comes out, frying pan in hand. She asks, you know, can I sleep at your temple tonight? I'm very tired. And he says, no, not unless you can answer my question. And he points to the sign. So the nun looks at the tree And she looks at it for a long time. She notices the trunk and the branches, and some have leaves and some don't. And without saying a word, she puts down her pack. She does three full prostrations to the tree, which is an action of great respect in Buddhism, starting from standing, bowing so low that your forehead touches the ground. She does that three times to the tree. Then she turns to the priest and she says, you don't need to fix the tree. It's fine as it is. And the priest hears this. He smiles and says, come inside. I have much to show you. And the non then inherits his temple because she answered the koan. And the moral of the story is that there really was nothing wrong with the tree. The tree was just the tree. It was people coming to it with their own preconceptions about what it should look like and how it can be fixed and what it can be used for. That's what created all the quote unquote problems with the tree. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And the nun was the only one who understood that the tree is fine. It's our minds that are creating all of these issues. Mm that's why I am so against New Year's resolutions because that's exactly what we're doing when we make a resolution is what's wrong with my life that I need to fix. And maybe there are problems. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with trying to improve our situation, but it's also equally as good to say I'm happy with things the way they are and this focus on new year's resolutions is no different than the people trying to fix the tree it's us looking at our lives and creating problems that may or may not actually be there mhm
1: and and then to add to that do you, have you ever met anybody who made a new year's resolution and stuck to it for the entire year <laughs> never <laughs> <laughs> yeah me neither I think it's just it puts a lot of strain and on people a lot more stress just to even have this there so i I obviously you know and I know that you agree, you know believe that it's good for us to grow and evolve and find you know and and find what become more aware of things that maybe we could do better. Mm-hmm. but putting it as a rule that this is something that I have to do because it's a new year and it, 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 ha- it adds a, a different level of stress to it that, that makes us unlikely to stick to it.
2: Absolutely. It absolutely does because it, it just robs us of any potential joy because even if we do stick to our New Year's resolution, we still need to make a new one the next year right? So maybe, <laughs> maybe you make the resolution, I'm going to run a 5K. And you actually do that. You run a 5K. Well, there's no trophy. There's no pat on the back. There's no congratulations. The expectation is you to then say, well, next year I'm going to run a 10K. Right? Uh-huh. Um, as opposed to simply being happy with the fact that you've accomplished this thing, right? And this illusion of endless growth that we have in our country just creates so much angst and robs us of so much happiness that mm-hmm. it, it's easy.
1: Right. There's always
2: a goal, and when we reach that goal,
1: we're not happy. We have to go on to the next one.
2: Yes, exactly. It's it's no different than when I was, you know, burning the the boxes in the backyard the other day. It's just... But the fire never stops wanting more. Our, our mm-hmm. desires within us, and they always want more. And we have this mistaken idea that if we feed them enough, we'll be we'll be finished at some point. But quite the opposite is true. The fire will burn as long as you feed it. So it's really a situation where we have to look at the flames, identify which ones are useful. Because you know some desires are useful. You know, if I'm hungry, I desire to eat, right? But if mm-hmm. the desires aren't serving us any longer, we have to stop putting fuel on them. We have to let them die out, and be okay with that.
1: So, so how do you? Um, I guess how do you put that in the con in the context of? the desire to continue to grow and evolve. How do we kind of make that differentiation between like just wanting more and more versus like, you know, I, I want to be a better person. I want to be able, not a better person, but I want to be kinder to myself and to other people and more compassionate, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. How do we differentiate that from, you know, the typical, like, I want more, I want this, I want to change this this year. This isn't good about me. I need to change it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, so part of the thing, for one thing we have to realize is that desire is kind of inherent as part of our nature. So certain things are just instinctual, right? So if I'm hungry, uh, I don't go through this long philosophical treatise that ends with me saying, I want to go to the refrigerator and get some food. It's something that very naturally happens. So when we talk about wanting to be kinder, when we talk about wanting to be gentler, when we talk about wanting to be a better person, for lack of a better word, uh, that desire is quite natural within us. In Buddhism, we're taught that all living beings are Buddha. So our, our natural instinctual self is wit-wise is compassionate is merciful now the reason we don't behave in that way necessarily is because we have development right Uh, we have greed we have anger we have ignorance that we accumulate just going through our daily life Uh, it's no different than a mirror for example accumulating dust over time so in the same way that we have to clean the mirror so that it does its job and reflects we have to clean our own Buddha nature, our own enlightened nature, so that
1: that mm-hmm.
2: wisdom, passion, that mercy can come forth. So part of it comes back to spiritual training as we do the meditation, as we do the sutra study, etc. As we remove those defilements, all those things you mentioned earlier will just naturally begin to happen as a matter of course, because we don't have those defilements stopping them any longer right uh, it, it's almost like your your grass right um if you leave your grass alone more likely than not it'll it'll grow by itself that's just the nature of grass is to grow and get longer so us wanting to be kinder gentler etc as long as we engage in spiritual training that naturally happens in and of itself and now that said The other way so there's that intuitive wanting but then there's also just the intellectual study of our desires and just asking ourselves questions is why do I want to do this first off do I want this thing because the media tells me I should because people are telling me I need to make a resolution so I just came up with one so what's What's the goal? What's the impetus that's moving us in this direction? What's the end result? Is this going to work out? Let's say I do achieve it. Is it going to make my life better? Is it going to make the people around me better? Or is this going to cause suffering? And then finally, what suffering am I experiencing in trying to achieve this goal? So, Am I stressing myself out and not accomplishing anything, or am I making good progress? So it could be that we have a very legitimate, very healthy desire, but just given the situation we're in, trying to move towards that goal is, frankly, more painful than it's worth, right? Mm -hmm. So if we say we want to – I can't even think of a good example. Let's say we want to – Remove all of the pollution from the ocean, right? That's right. a very, very, very noble goal. However, we as one person probably won't be able to take on the entire industrial world by ourselves, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So if we're moving in that direction and we're in great pain and we're grief and we're stressed out, maybe we shrink that goal a little bit. So instead of I'm going to remove all pollution from the ocean, it's I'm going to reduce the amount of pollution I contribute to the ocean, right? So we begin recycling, let's say, or we compost so that less uh, waste goes to the landfill, that sort of thing. So maybe not eliminating the goal completely, but just adjusting it to something that's more reasonable given our situation.
1: The goals are not bad. They're just, Um, putting it in terms of
2: just coming up with
1: a resolution to change ourselves in some way is Mm -hmm. causes more suffering. Right. Um, You know, know, and, and I know we talked about this a little bit the last time that you were on, but you know, with so much going on right now and we entered a new year that everything came along with it, right? (laughs) The calendar changed, but all the problems continued. Um, that we're sort of suffering with together. There are mutual problems with, you know, this virus that just won't go away and the new variant and uh, Omicron Mm -hmm. being more contagious and uh, still a lot of uh, political arguing and and, um, social justice issues and climate change and all of that. Um, So how do we balance our, our inner peace and our ability to, to just, be, just be with the way things are um, mm-hmm. with the other side of it, which is doing what we can, what action we can take to create uh, a more just society and, and you know, decrease the, uh, the, you know, do what we can in the world. All these issues. How how do we balance that with the inner peace and being it's okay the way it is versus I have to do something that I can you know, I have to be part of a a, a group of people to help help change things.
2: Sure. Sure. So there was a prayer that came to me last night um uh, while I was working, you know, just looking at the fire and um just kind of popped into my head if the world must end in fire teach me to dance in the flames Mm -hmm. and that was just something I, I meditated on last night and this morning and what it means to me is that you know, the Buddha gave the fire sermon and he said that everything we see, taste, touch, smell is burning, burning with grief, burning with anger, burning with ignorance. Um, it is burning. But within that fire, we're not called to give up and do nothing. We're called to keep doing the right thing anyway. Uh, keep doing the good thing anyway not necessarily because we expect or want to reward but simply because it's good and i think that's so important now more than ever because we're we're seeing the world is so out of control with the political fighting with the virus etc that it can be overwhelming right it can be paralyzing Mm -hmm. In the midst of that fire, if we can learn to dance, if we can learn to still do the right thing, just because it's right, not because our neighbor is doing it, not because the news media is touting this as the best thing to do, but simply because in our we know in our heart that it's a good thing. Then what happens then is, like I was speaking about earlier, about adjusting our goals, adjusting our desires, it goes from, I want to fix the world, I want to change the world, to I want to fix and change myself, which is something that, you know, something that we can reasonably accomplish. Mm -hmm. And we can take some solace in that. In that, even if everyone else is doing the wrong thing, I didn't join the bunch. We can find a model of behavior for these types of actions if we look at the bodhisattvas. I can think especially of uh, Jizo Bodhisattva, is the Bodhisattva of Hell Beings. So the story of Jizo is that he saw well, he saw his mother. Um, she frankly wasn't a good person and she was cursed to hell and he was praying for her deliverance that she would be lifted up from hell and go to a heaven realm and he's praying and he's praying and he's praying and he doesn't know if it's working or not and finally the buddha out of his mercy takes him to hell and jesus mother isn't there but so he knows that his prayers worked so this is great but then he looks around and he sees the suffering of all the other beings that are there. And out of his mercy, he says, I will not achieve Buddhahood until all of these beings are free. Right. So this is an instance of quite literally dancing in the flames, right? Where
3: mm-hmm. there's
2: so much suffering, so much suffering, but, and I don't know if I'm going to succeed. Right. Right. Empty mm-hmm. hell. How could we possibly do that? But I'm going to try anyway. And we find joy not in the, not in succeeding necessarily, but in the attempt.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So when you when you know it brought to mind, um, I just recently heard this saying that the person who plants the seed for a forest, knowing that they're not going to live long enough themselves to see the forest grow, um, yes. but does it anyway, is no is really is awakened and understands life. Yes. Yes. And
2: that that is one hundred percent our practice. Is mm-hmm. we rejoice in planting the seed, not so much in seeing the forest because we're not planting the seed for us necessarily. We're we're doing it for all sentient beings. Right. So knowing that someone will benefit in some small way, even if it's not us, that's enough.
1: So, you know the our society has become such a me focused society where people are and we see it like so blatantly with, you know, people not wanting to wear a mask or not wanting to be vaccinated simply because it, it feels inconvenient for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we've seen it for a long time, right? That's just the more blatant recent events um, that, that that make it so obvious. How, you know, and, and I think that all of us are affected that by that if we're in this society that we don't even realize that we that we do that that our first thought is how is it going to benefit me before we do something um how is can you think, can you tell us some simple ways or practices that listeners can use to sort of turn that around to start thinking about other people and and have it not be in inconvenience, but more the joy that you just mentioned, the joy in helping other people?
2: Oh, absolutely. So in Buddhism, we're taught that suffering comes from two things. It, becomes from our, it comes from the illusion of a separate self, believing that we are separate from other people. And it also comes from an addiction to sense pleasure. So we are chasing after wealth, status, sex, et cetera, and that creates suffering. Or we engage in a subject-object duality where I'm here and you're over there, and this is really what you were discussing, and my needs are more important than your needs. And what Mm -hmm. ends up happening is we start treating people like inanimate objects, right? So the car is here to do what I want it to do. My neighbor is here what I want them to do. And if I don't want to engage in X, Y, Z, then, oh, well. I, I, I don't care how other people are affected because I see them as objects. Now, there are many ways to kind of cross that boundary between self and other, but one of the effective ways I've found is devotional practices. So in a traditional Buddhist context, this would be the offerings we give at the altar. This would be prostrations in front of the Buddha, et cetera, where we are, for a short amount of time, putting ourselves last and really focused on something outside of ourselves, you know, sweeping the temple floor, for example. Now, in a more everyday context, this can be as simple as doing chores around the house. Right. So Hmm. if we trapped in that illusion of a separate self, that subject object duality, if we walk into the kitchen and we see a pile of dirty dishes, our first thought is, are those my dirty dishes? Do I feel like cleaning the dishes? Right. Uh, If we Mm -hmm. walk into the kitchen and the garbage is overflowing with trash, well, again, that subject object duality, maybe we pretend we don't see it. But someone else can take out the trash. But the devotional practice, which eliminates the illusion of a separate self and thus eliminates suffering, is I see a problem. How can I help? So the dishes are dirty and I clean them just because they're dirty. Not necessarily because they're mine or because I need dishes. I just I want to be of service. I see the trash can is overflowing and I take out the trash because it needs to be done. Right? Uh, I get up mm-hmm. and the, the bed needs to be made so I make the bed. No one's going to see the bed but me. But making the bed for a short amount of time putting myself last what that does is down that subject-object duality and, you know, I'm caring about other people, other living beings, outside of myself, not eliminating my sense of self. We need to know the difference between us and others, but softening it just enough where we can bring in others as well.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um... You know, as you were speaking, I was thinking of the extreme opposite, where there are, you know, a lot of caregivers who think of themselves last all the time. So it's important to have that balance.
2: Yes, right? it is. Yes, it is. So the illusion of a separate self, uh, there, there are two halves to it, and you just spoke to the second half, where we see ourself as the object and everyone else is the subject. So I'm solely serve other people, which is equally bad because the goal in Buddhism isn't to create more suffering for ourselves. We are and others are equal, right? So we want to eliminate suffering for others. We want to eliminate suffering for ourselves. So this, this ego imbalance, this subject-object duality shows itself in one of two ways. It's either me, 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 I, I, I. I'm more important than you, or it's me, 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 I, 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 I'm worthless. Mm -hmm. And because I'm worthless, I don't care about my own needs. And this is folly because if we don't care for ourselves, it's impossible to care for others. Right. Right. Um, we, We can't feed our animals. We can't take care of our elderly. We can't straying up around the house if our own body is not able, so it, it's a balancing act we have to walk. But I always tell my students this is why we have two hands, so that mm-hmm. we can hold things at once.
1: Yeah, and and you talk about you, you know, you you speak about it as you know Buddhist goals, but um, in my my view, Buddha was probably the first cognitive behavioral psychologist, <laughs> and so I see that those are the goals of the psychology right to yeah, you know, it's my job to help people to find ways to end suffering for themselves yep. and for others absolutely yep, so i uh, we could talk on and on, so you gotta come back, okay. <laughs> All right, I'd love to have you back on. Um, but before you go, um, what are what are how can listeners find out listen to your dharma talks that you do every week? Find out about your <laughs> classes. Find out about your book, your blogs, all of that. What's the best way they can do that?
2: Sure. Well, the easiest way would be my website, uh, www.thesameoldzen, all one word, .com. And that has all my information. I post there monthly with uh, blog posts, articles, connecting Buddhism with daily life. There's also links to my YouTube channel, my Twitter, my Instagram, etc., um, if they would like to go straight to my, my Dharma Talks, those are all online. They can be found on YouTube. And you just type in my name, Alex Kakuyo. that's K-A-K-U-Y-O, and you know, subscribe and hit the notification bell.
1: <laughs> okay, great. Well, I'm going to post that as I usually do on my website post about the show Later on this evening, so people can just go there and click on it, and it'll take them to those sites. Um, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for for being on the program, and we'll have to come up with another time for you to be back. And there's just so much. <laughs> um, yeah. And have a wonderful New Year.
2: Thanks. You too. I'm, I'm glad to be here.
1: Okay. All right. And have a good evening.
2: Shame. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Thanks. All right. We're going to take a brief break. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Please visit us on the web at www.doctormarcarpel.com.
1: All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Marcarpel and your Golden Years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on com. And um, I want to talk a little bit about reconnecting to your joy and passion in 2022. Um, it's really more about resilience in the coming year. And as we spoke about, with, as I was speaking about with Alex, there are um, so many things going on that have been going on for the last couple of years. I mean, we're all... If you go back in history, there's always something going on and and unprecedented and this is the first time ever and that sort of thing. Um, So it's not unusual. What is unusual is that there is so many really intense things all at the same time. And, And this, you know, pandemic just keeps on going and it sort of puts us in a place where we, have to notice everything that's going on because we just can't move around and distract ourselves uh, with activity quite as much. I think some people are, but most people are not. And a lot of things are closed down and traveling is difficult. So we sort of, um, we have to see all these things, which which is not a bad thing to pay attention to what is going on around us in the world and all of the things that have been around for a while that maybe have gotten worse because we didn't pay attention. Um, But, you know, we were convinced, and I know everybody talks about how, oh, and uh, I can't wait till 2021 is over. And I remember hearing that at the end of 2020, I can't wait till 2020 is over. But, you know, I mean, we know on a rational level that just when the calendar changes, everything doesn't just suddenly change and all the bad things go away. That's just not how it works. Time is, um, you know, the calendar especially is a man-made object. And time is, is man-made. So um, how do we start to find our peace and that we talked about this a bit with Alex how do we start to find our way into this new year and, and manage to get a glimpse of that joy and that passion once again and I've been talking about this for two years already but I think there are some things that we can do to get us there um, so you know Number one, I think we need to start looking we need to really pay attention, as I said before, that paying attention is not a bad thing. Um, what we do with what we learn is what is will makes the big makes a difference, so we could be, just become angry and um, and take it out on other people or take it out on ourselves or become depressed, or we can use the knowledge that we're given by paying attention to do what we can to help the world and help ourselves and stay safe. And as I mentioned, the this virus is not going, has not gone anywhere. It's, it's evolved. It's now a new variant, the Omicron variant, which um, uh, has been found to be much more contagious, and, and people are very sick. The hospitals are full. Now, they're saying that it's not as powerful, but people are still getting very sick, and Delta is still around. It's not gone, so, and Delta was causing people to die um, or get very, very ill. So it's really important to remain vigilant. And to keep up with what's going on, and to be aware that science is always changing, so if the information is changing, it doesn't mean that anybody lied to us. it just means that more information has come out, um, has become more obvious um, it was as as more science is performed, more scientific studies are performed. Um, so, you know, I know that we're all won out. We're ready to be over it, but it's not over. So if we all come together like we could have done two, almost two years ago um, to do what we need to do, we could potentially move this, this COVID, this virus, into an endemic rather than a pandemic, meaning that it would be because it's not going to go away that it could become more like the flu um, where we would just get a yearly vaccine and, you know, but we could go on with our lives, but we're not there yet. So how do we come together? There are things that we could each do, wear a mask. They're saying now with Omicron, wear an N95 mask, because if you're vaccinated and you're boosted, which I do highly recommend that you do that you become vaccinated and boosted because if you're vaccinated and boosted you're much less likely to get so sick that you are hospitalized um, much less likely to die from the virus and you're even less likely to become an aid carrier however omicron with the omicron virus more, you're more likely to be an asymptomatic carrier than you were with Delta or with the original COVID. So, you do need to still protect yourself because even if you're asymptomatic, um, we don't know the long-term effects of that, and you can infect. Somebody else, even if you've been vaccinated, if you're an asymptomatic carrier, you can infect someone else who might be more vulnerable. They might be vaccinated, but the vaccine didn't work that well because of their comorbidities, their immune system issues, or maybe they um, were unable to be vaccinated because of medical issues. There are a few medical issues that have prevented people from getting the vaccine um, you know. Or they may be very vulnerable and even if it didn't become a life-threatening illness, just catching um, anything can be very um, life-altering for them, like an elderly person. So we can wear masks, as they're saying, to wear an N95 mask for this one because just the... Definitely the cloth masks do nothing for Omicron. They're pretty worthless. Um, And the paper surgical masks are just not that effective. The other thing, and I did this um, when I was up in New York and I went to a friend's house, is you buy some home kits. I know it's hard to get a hold of them, but if you can get a hold of some home testing kits, um, you can use them before you see people it's not 100%, so you still want to be careful and wear masks or sit far apart from each other, but that's a way to sort of mitigate the, the, the risk of being asymptomatic and giving it to someone else is testing yourself at home. Um, and then how do we deal with all this stress? My lesson from 2021 was hope in dealing, because you know what? your personal stresses, the issues that you go through in your own life, the uh, obstacles that you come across in your own life are not going away just because there's also this huge obstacle that we're all dealing with at the same time. And I dealt with my own personal obstacles and discovered that hope was was what got me through that and what got my family through that and what really save the life of my mother. Um, Hope is extremely powerful and when I had Dr. Chan Hellman on the show he talked about the science of hope because that's what he does. He's a researcher on the science of hope and it's a very powerful thing. It's It's not a passive noun it's an active noun that hope is something that motivates us to do something. It's not just sitting and meditating on it or praying about it. Hope is more than a prayer or a wish. It's an action. So hope involves seeing a pathway to the better outcome that we want and doing what and being motivated by that feeling of hope to do what we need to do to achieve that outcome. So, you know, and it's extremely powerful. I, I um, you know, so I agree that there are times where situation um, is one in which there, that outcome is not possible. And then we sort of have to say, okay, we need to put our hope somewhere else. The hope is that we can be strong enough to deal with that outcome. Um, But hope is something that's really important. If if you want to achieve the goal, no matter how narrow it is, there has to be a glimmer of hope within you. And it's also important not to take the hope away from other people. I came across this, um, this quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes, who said, Beware how you take away hope from another human being. So another person should never take away the hope of another human being, no matter how powerful that person is, especially someone in power like a medical doctor or a, um, you know, a spiritual advisor. Don't take away the hope of another person. That is not your responsibility. And it's something that brings about a lot of suffering. So, on the opposite side of that, one of the ways that we can build resilience and, and, and see our own passion once again reconnected it, to it is to focus on our own hope, think about what we can do to achieve that goal, and to help – even more powerful is to help other people to maintain their hope. Um, volunteering – Talking to somebody on the phone who's in a, in a lot of grief, doing things for other people, helping homeless people, bringing them um, clothing and blankets like our producer art likes to do. He often does that. He brings clothes and blankets and coffee to homeless to people who are homeless and cold. doing something to bring hope to other people is so powerful. It's so meaningful, and, and it feels good to do it. Um, actions of kindness and generosity and compassion bring hope into the world, and they're so powerful in reconnecting you to your own passion and joy. Um, you might feel powerless as one person doing this just like Alex was talking about you can't clean up the whole ocean by yourself but one person can make a difference if you join with other people or just speaking to being that shoulder for another person who's in distress or saying a kind thing to someone who you don't even know you don't know what that person is going through and the power that your words have to give more meaning and a desire to live to that person, you might be saving their life just by saying something kind to them or doing something that feels very small to you, but is really a big, um, it's big because it really helps that person. Um, I found this, group called Random Acts of Kindness Foundation and you might want to check them out online at randomactsofkindness.org and they give stories endless stories about how acts of kindness changed people's lives and just one act of kindness can really change a person's life and bring light into the darkness so I really think that that's the goal for 2022 is to have hope and to bring hope to other people and show compassion. And I think that we can be resilient toward the stresses that we're all dealing with, and we can actually make a difference in decreasing the stress that's around us and within us in the world right now in 2022. So on that note, Art Mendoza, producer of this, program is going to join us to talk about bringing music and art to 2022 right here on this show. So, Art, are you there? I'm here. Okay, so what's going to happen with music and art in 2022? We're going
4: to have more music music and more art. That's it.
3: Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) No, we
4: have – I've been trying to get uh, some people from Europe that are – Twins and they play harps and hopefully they can uh, we can hook up with them and have an inter- interview as well as with Tamika Jones and uh, uh, oh man I can't believe I forgot her name I was just reading on
3: her uh,
4: anyway artists from from uh, Austin and some uh, regulars like Lisa Marshall and uh, Cass Clayton. And see what they've been mm-hmm. doing because now that this time has really taken everybody into a different uh path. And uh, many are doing odd things that they are creating, whether it be in music or in crafts or whatever, and I'll, we're gonna find out what they're doing. Uh, and that's really about it. Just you know, just hooking up with old friends and finding new ones for the new year. hmm so Great. Let's go get yeah, some I haven't,
1: we haven't spoken to Lisa Marshall in a while.
4: I know, and that's why I'm going to get her and uh, some other people we haven't talked to in a while. But uh, that's it. Jackie Vinson is who I was trying to remember. And, uh, okay. So let's go get Chinese food. Let's get out of here.
1: All right. Okay. All right. Just a moment. Let me tell everybody what's coming up. So before Art knocks me off the air, let me let you know it's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Next week, we'll be playing an encore of one of our recent favorites while we take a trip to La La Land, to L.A. And we'll be back on Sunday, January 23rd with Pat Duckworth, who is in the U.K., Um, In England, Pat is a women's health strategist specializing at working with businesses and organizations in supporting women um, in their health. And she's founder of Smarter Menopause, and she'll be discussing her book, Menopause, Mind the Gap, the Value of Supporting Women's Wellness in the Workplace. So I think that'll be a really interesting discussion. We haven't talked about that. Um, and if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show and get the uh, website links that we talked about, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and you can also hear the program in five minutes from now if you want to re-listen to it by going directly to blogtalkradio, B-L-O-G, slash, your golden years, and it's also on Apple Podcasts in, in five minutes. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by amightygoodtime.com. And thank you to my guest, Sensei Alex Kukuyo, and thank you, Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, and inspiring couple of weeks. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe.
4: Yeah, I leave the north town to survive. She owed so many people she stayed alive. If you get in front of her past, she will. She'll eat you alive. It's the truth. You have a little trouble with your nose. Watch it change colors Like a rosy glow If you see your face in the mirror When it's down on its side You better hide You'll lose your hide And I'm going to show you